welcome back to Reels like the first time. Going to do it again because now I'm all flustered. <laughs> Take it. Whew. Here we go. Whew. Got it. Welcome back for another episode of Reels like the first time. My journey to experience everything that film has to offer, the good and the bad, all for the very first time. I'm your host, Allison Salamone, and joining me today to discuss George Romero's directed Night of the Living Dead is a returning guest. You heard his voice back when we were audio only on, I want to say, maybe the fourth episode of this podcast where we discuss Citizen Kane. He is a film critic over at The Wrap, and he's also one of the pod hosts, uh, co-hosts for the podcast, Clinic Critically Acclaimed. This was a mess, but it's okay. It's the one and only William Bibiani. Hello, sir. Hey, <laughs> hey, everybody. Um, if you've ever heard my podcast, you know that we whiff it half the time and we just it's keep just, running. It is what it is at that point. We just keep going. I, I... It, everyone, everyone here wants to be here. We're all happy. It's cool. It's cool. We keep it Hi. real. Hello. Hello. Welcome back. I'm super excited to have you. This is, I always love um, having you on because the movies that we end up discussing, I think Citizen Kane has been. One of my favorite discussions so far on on this podcast, definitely up in the in the in in, in the top five for me for episodes to record, just because of your oh, knowledge you. and <laughs> what you bring to the table with it. So having you back on and discussing something that I honestly, even knowing the history of Night of the Living Dead, I never really thought I would cover it on this show. Um, and that's what I'm saying. I, you know, what's so mm. funny is before I even, um, right when I was messaging with you about having you come back on and you had mentioned how there was very little horror on my list, um, a week or so prior to that, my husband actually asked me why I haven't done Night of the Living Dead yet. And I was like, well, why don't you join me? And he went, nope, I'm not doing video. And I said, uh, maybe someone else will. And literally I heard <laughs> back from you. And it was kismet. It really was because then I, I sent him I sent him the list that you had sent me and I was like look what I go look what's on this list and he was like you have to do Night of the Living Dead, so here we are um, and kind of just going into that first question is when you when you sent me your list of of horror films um, Night of the hmm. Living Dead was pretty high on that list so what is it about this movie that you wanted to really come on and discuss it with me? I think Night of the Living Dead. I think there are certain movies. One of the things I love about your show, let me, let me start there. One of the things I love about your show is that I think a lot of people can be a little snobbish about motion mm -hmm. pictures. And I think some people can be a little proud of not knowing a lot about motion pictures. And I think what you're doing is you're opening up about the process of learning more. And I think that's exciting. Mm -hmm. And I think when you watch a film, you want to share it with people. You want to hear other people's opinions. We both saw the same movie, but we both took away different things. This is part of the fun of it. This is part of the excitement of it. Night of the Living Dead is a movie that, for me, and I know for quite a few other people, is a very sort of seminal experience. It's a breakaway hit for a variety of reasons, which I know we're going to mm -hmm. talk about. Uh, it was... It's not entirely original, but it kind of codified a brand new genre that we now take completely for granted. Uh, and watching it in its original form and realizing just how fresh it feels to this day, just how frightening it is to this day, uh, is, I think it's really important because I think there's a lot of movies, especially genre films, which 
you, newer audiences are it can take them a little longer to get on board with just because styles have changed visual effects have changed storytelling uh tropes have changed but uh, there are some where you go back and it's just like wow this is still great this is still significant i can see why if this was made today we would be talking about it and night of the living dead is just one of those special movies it's frightening it's smart uh it's kind of got everything you would want in a horror movie and i still remember watching this for the very first time it's one of those i don't remember watching every single great movie for the very first time like i couldn't necessarily tell you where i was when i first saw singing mm -hmm. in the rain but i remember where i was when i first saw night of the living dead and i was like sitting in my living room like three feet from the tv totally transfixed middle of a sunday morning <laughs> And when it was done and the ending is very yes. bleak, I just sort of turned that off and staggered into the hallway mm -hmm. and then just went into my bedroom, closed the door, put a chair up against the door. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I was young, but like, it was just sort of like, well, We're all screwed. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. really bad forever, and there's no yep, hope. That's that's yeah. And absolute nightmares are true. And okay, I'll just your reaction to that's that's your, life now. To watching Night of the Living Dead is the exact same reaction yeah. that I had at six, 15 years old watching The Ring in theaters. I came home oh, and yeah, I slept with all my lights on. <laughs> I turned my yeah. computers off. Like I like not just off. I unplugged. I turned mm. the screen around. I'm like. You ain't gonna get me, bitch. <laughs> it's such a special experience to have a movie really, like, really frighten you that much. It's not necessarily fun in the moment, but we look back and we go, wow, that one really got me, didn't it? Yeah. And I, I, I think the last movie I had where I was like, I, I literally, I watched the movie and I was just like, nope, <laughs> lights on, was probably Paranormal Activity. Okay. I think that one really creeped me out in a very realistic way. But um, yeah. not realistic, but you know, like in a very well, those like, are the, real Those are the ones way. that I don't fuck um, with. Like, I, I told you, too, when you yeah. would ask, like, why I didn't have a whole lot of horror on my list. And I just said, like, mm. it's just not my genre. I've gotten better with, like, Sorry. the slashers. I'm married to the biggest John Carpenter fan. So, like, I had to watch The Thing. I had to watch, you know, Halloween. So, like, I've gotten better with it. Mm. But I refuse to watch, yeah. like the paranormal activities and the shit that like i don't know if i believe in ghosts but i believe enough to not right. fuck around with it it's how i look at it <laughs> something that feels like weirdly plausible right. is something and that's something that a great horror movie can do it can take a fantastical concept and can really ground it in such a way that you believe in the reality of the situation and then something mm -hmm. terrible happens and that's actually something that i really like about a uh, night of the living dead where it's an apocalyptic movie but it's on the first day of the apocalypse right. It's the very first that all of a sudden the dead are rising from their graves en masse to kill and devour the living. And then the living become dead, then become undead. Right. And that's just it now. That's just our lives. And there's, there's this human tendency we have to get used to just about anything. It takes a little while, but we can get used to anything. And we just accept it. It's like, well... Look, look, we just, uh, as of recording, like they just ended the right. COVID crisis legally, like right. from the government's perspective in America. And it's like, you know, people are still dying from it, right? right? Like it's still really bad, 
But it, they're just like, nope, we're used to oh, it then. now. We're Screw done. it. And there's something just deeply horrifying about that. But the initial moment, that moment where you, you're, everything in your life was normal. And then after this specific moment in time, everything in your life is horrible. Mm-hmm. That's, we, we know what that's like. We know like when you just, you get a phone call and then someone says, Hey, something happened. And you're like, Oh God. And like, you, you know, you can just feel everything in your brain shut down because you knew something bad mm-hmm. has happened. It's that, but with flesh eating right. zombies, it's just, it's, it's that much worse. It's that much harder to wrap your head around. And it's really, really worth noting. It's really important to remember that when Night of the Living Dead came out in the 1960s, that wasn't a cliche mm-hmm. yet. This invented that. I mean, they, they borrowed heavily uh, from uh, the Richard Matheson story, mm-hmm. I Am Legend, which became Last Man on Earth and the Omega Man and the Will Smith movie. Uh, but that was about vampires. They were like, okay, that's cool, but and we want to do that, but we don't want to rip it off and have to pay for that story. So we're going to do a slightly different thing. We're going to set it just at the beginning and it's going to be ghouls. They never say the word right. zombie. That was something that back. I thought was really, and so what was really fun is when, yeah. when I learned that when I, when we decided that we were going to do this, my, and I mm-hmm. told my husband, his immediate reaction was the first way you're watching this movie is on shutter for the, at the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs. It's three hours long with him cutting in and out. But that was one of the things that he had mentioned that I thought was so interesting was um, that he was at the idea that they were ghouls. They weren't zombies. Zombie was not a thing when this movie came out. Zombie, they would eventually use zombie in in a Night of the Living Dead movie, but I don't think they used that word until Diary of the Mm -hmm. Dead in the 2000s. Uh, Romero's films, it was never like, no one was ever pulled back enough from the situation to apply a comfy Mm -hmm. label like that. And you got to remember that before zombies took over as like this sort of concept, which I I think wasn't until the 80s that that truly became codified. um, Zombie, that's a real thing that's a cultural thing there were actual movies in hollywood about voodoo and zombies uh there's a uh, white zombie with bella lugosi there's a really amazing movie called i walked with a zombie which is an adaptation of jane eyre but with a zombie okay which if you if you've ever read jane eyre you're like how does that work and then you realize oh if that person's a zombie it all makes mm-hmm. sense boom <laughs> right it's a great movie. It's it's really weird, but it's great. But yeah, no, this idea of just every human being who is dead coming back to kill us all. It's it is biblical. There's something you know, there's there's allusion to that kind of thing in the Bible, but there's something that just is pure and simple and visceral about mm-hmm. it. And utterly hopeless. It completely changes the paradigm of the world in which mm-hmm. we live. And it I, what I think is really amazing about it is that in addition to just being a great movie, and we'll talk about all the details, it it ignites the imagination, and it asks you, "What okay. would you do?" That's something this movie does over and over yeah. again. There are characters who are debating what to do. What's the best course of action? What's the safest course of action? What's the what's the most acceptable risk to take? And then in the end, none of it because. Not really. At the no. end of the day, no, like I mean, because no. we, we might as well hit the spoilers now. At the end of it, they all dead. So no, no one, no one. The only people who make it out are are people are characters we don't really know. Who, yeah, they're they're just wandering death yeah. squad. 
that's probably not good. Probably not. That's not a good sign. Probably not. No, no, because it's it's a film about horror is often not exclusively, but horror is often about hopelessness. Mm-hmm. Horror is is a, a, a medium, a genre through which we explore our fears and anxieties. And there are lots of horror movies in which, uh, you know, good conquers evil. You know, humanity prevails. We overcome our fears, but. I think a lot of our more pervasive senses of dread suggest to us that there is no hope, mm-hmm. that there is hopelessness in the world. And I think uh, a lot of the horror movies that have a really profound impact on the audience accept that bleakness as something worth dramatizing. Mm-hmm. And while not every single Night of the Living Dead movie would be as much of a bummer as this, most of them would. Almost all of them, actually. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, no, this is just, um, I don't know. I, it, it's weird to me to like, look back and like, look at some of the, the, the reviews of the time and people who thought this wasn't interesting. Yeah. There were definitely people who did. There were people who thought this was immediately exciting filmmaking. Uh, but then there were just people who were just like, ah, it's kind of stupid. And I'm like, really? This is absolutely riveting from start to finish. Right. And I think it was, it's always fun to kind of look into and like research things. One of my favorite things to find out when, especially movies that are made in the time that like Night of the Living Dead was made is like where within the MPAA was this, where the timeline was this movie. So like, for example, like Red Dawn was at a point where because of the gore and everything from like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and all that, it was like one of the first ones to get the PG-13 rating because of that. For here, there was no MPAA. And um, kind of going into, fast forwarding a little bit into my little, if it's on Wikipedia, it's true information. Um, I think it was uh, Ebert, who, uh, of like Siskel and Ebert, who was like writing for um, a paper in Chicago at the time, was one of the two of them, was, I think yeah, it was Ebert. shaming parents that were taking their children <laughs> into seeing yeah. this movie. Well, because here's the thing. This movie came out right on the cusp of when the Motion Picture Association of uh, America mm-hmm. uh started introducing the rating system as we know it now, which was a little different at the time, but it was basically similar. G, PG, R, X. Before it was appropriated by the adult film industry, and then they they never really figured out what to right. do with that rating. But, um, yeah, this was, this was coming out at a time when the film industry had stopped being quite so throttled by the production code, which had been instituted in the 1930s as a system of self-censorship, and it was very severe amazing movies came out under that censorship but there were a lot of things that were just not allowed to be discussed put on camera uh and we were starting to get uh towards the tail end of the 50s and of the 1960s people just stopped mm-hmm. caring so much and we realized that was kind of optional no one's really coming after us if we do anything violent the indie boom uh was starting to release a lot more uh you know a lot more violent grindhouse my type material and so yeah, there was a lot. You, you could just release a movie in theaters and theoretically anyone could go see it. And so, yeah, eventually they released that. But Night of the Living Dead, like a lot of this movie, a lot of it is pretty tame by my Oh, absolutely. Theaters. I would agree. It, a lot of it's it's very dire. It's very striking. It's very scary and suspenseful. But there actually are only a few key moments of real gore. Mm-hmm. And they're mostly towards mm-hmm. the end. 
and they are really gross like there's some really gross like when you see the way when romero shows the films a zombie eating a person Mm -hmm. they're not just like oh this is delicious They're like really just slurping down innards. They're just like yanking out those intestines from yeah. uh, uh, Judy and, and, and Tom with justice for yeah. them. And these were characters that we we didn't know them terribly well, but we liked them fine. They were real people. They had literally just died. And then we're getting these like lingering money shots mm-hmm. of ghouls just chomping on human innards ripping meat off and, of bones and like literally some smacking noises mm-hmm. and the sound effects and yeah it, it be, especially and again especially because we knew those characters and because they had only just died right. uh in, in a moment where it seemed like everything might be okay it's just it really has a profound mm-hmm. impact and it feels i think even more grotesque than it actually is which is i think something that great horror can do where if you're invested, if you care about characters, then what happens to them really matters to you, even if it isn't. Some people go to horror movies for the gore. It doesn't have to be gory for it to be effective. Right. It can be. And I love gore as much as the next person when it's done right. But here, yeah, great best of both worlds. And, and Romero would up the gore ante so much in the years that followed. The climax of day of the dead which is actually my favorite of the okay. whole series uh is one of the most gruesome things i've ever seen in a movie <laughs> just people being like ripped nice. to shreds by zombies and yelling choke on yeah. them like as they're eating they're watching their bowels get eaten and you're just like yeah that's that's how i would go out that's too up. that's dark <laughs> okay yeah let's do it oh <laughs> uh, yeah no, that is it's it's very Intense. I mean, even like going through that whole because, like, when the stuff, what I think this movie does so well in the sense of like defining like that genre of of these horror movies and gore and this idea of like the undead is that when the shit starts hitting the fan, it hits it mm-hmm. and it just does not stop rolling. Like the end of that mo- of this movie is mm-hmm. like anxiety to the nth degree of just. Mm-hmm. here you are and what ends up being what ends up being the safest place in the house is locking himself in the basement right the one thing that they after a big old argument about it about where that. he ended up after big killing <laughs> the guy oh. over it and then he ends up the guy ends up yeah. as he's down there dying he dies his daughter now comes back to life as an undead zombie yeah. uh or ghoul and as he's walking as her she, the mom walks down there and sees the or she's just eating his her dad like it's just the most like yeah it was non really and then you feel this sigh of relief as the day as the night is over it looks Mm -hmm. like ben might be getting saved and then he's and then not and i'm just like as i'm watching this and going through the photos at the end i i'm just like fuck because i went in completely blind i knew nothing about it i was going to ask you about this because this is a movie i'm sure i know i know you've heard of it obviously because it's just kind of ubiquitous but I was curious because you hadn't mm-hmm. seen it. What your idea of what the movie? Because we all have some right. idea when we haven't seen a movie, and it's kind of talked about a lot. Like I have a general sense of what this is going to be. What did you think Night of the Living Dead was going to be versus what you actually saw? A 1968 black and white version of an episode of The Walking Dead, and I was wrong. But I was also a little yeah. like 
a little a little bit because that's where it's pulling from, entirely right? like that's where you know yeah. it, that's that's what ends up what the the blueprint that george romero leaves for all these other yeah. uh filmmakers and directors and now you know you have like the walking dead and fear of the walking dead and all of these things the last of us like <laughs> this blueprint he set to put all these out there but what was so interesting was watching it and seeing like okay i'm seeing the beginning of something that is going to become a cultural phenomenon and being able mm -hmm. to see it now because of this podcast and go in as blind as i did other than like knowing it's socially it's historically significance of it um yeah. was really it made it sounds weird to say, but like it made it fun to watch i'm like yeah. seeing where it, it's just it's seeing you know the play be formed the the, the mm -hmm. first thing that really kind sure. of came out and what set the tone no this is one of my favorite things about exploring film history and it never mm -hmm. stops really as long as you keep exploring you're gonna find like you know, you're going to watch this old movie from the 1930s and then you realize, wait a minute, this is where like a storyline that like every sitcom has ripped off forever. This is like the first movie mm -hmm. to ever do that. And all of a sudden everything just sort of snaps into place and you realize, wow, this history is really neat. And you get to like really explore. And, and yeah, Night of the Living Dead, it introduced ghouls. I think it made survivalism in horror a much bigger uh, uh, element of the genre than it had been previously. Mm -hmm. uh, the idea of hunkering down, being besieged, fighting for who gets to lead the group, realizing that life as you know it is over, that you were in middle management means nothing right. now, and it's whoever is actually capable of surviving when the chips are down and we're all going to mm -hmm. die. That's what matters. It's what happens when society completely falls away. And all that matters now is survival because we're no longer in very suddenly at the bottom. Of the right. And all these things. That really and what's about. even more interesting is kind of the, I, you had kind of said it earlier is how relatable all of those things are even to today. You know, we, we mentioned, you know, COVID officially being over hmm. by the government's eyes. When you look at the interview in this movie, when they're interviewing the, the government officials, um, talking about it, and one guy is saying, this is the issue. It is this uh, satellite that exploded and caused all this radiation that was causing it. And then someone going, oh, no, not really. And it's like, well, we can't say that for sure. It literally threw me back mm -hmm. to watching Trump on in a press conference saying, calling it the China virus and like doing all these things yeah. that he was doing. And it's like, holy shit. We're like, that was 2019, right. 2020. We're watching the exact same thing happen that is is put yeah. in this movie and how realistic and i think it brings up that's what i started thinking about too is like listening to these reports i'm just like fuck like it hits so much harder because of living through what we lived through and are still living through over these last three yeah. years when you live through an extreme circumstance or time period all of a sudden things that movies for example that you may have watched before, but all of a sudden you realize, oh no, this hits really hard. Like people were actually making art about something uh, really meaningful. And these moments of sort of sudden cultural panic when a disaster occurs, uh, not living dead taps into that real nicely, but it does so in this really, it, 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 the characters in this movie are very isolated. We're not seeing what's happening in New York city where there are millions of people, probably mass panic, Constantly. Mm -hmm. We we eventually see stuff like that in Dawn of the Dead. But 
in this movie it's very rural people you know if they maybe if they'd stuck around and listened to the radio they'd have had a hint but what would really have what would they really mm-hmm. have known not not very much they're very kind of trapped out on right. their own um that that level of not knowing what's really going on that's that's genuinely terrifying and and honestly i think even just the idea that this is a space virus mm-hmm. uh is kind of just in here just so that the audience stops asking that it's question what brought them back to life yeah so you give them some theory to go on because the movie doesn't care yeah it's not about solving the problem it's not about scientists in a bunker trying to find a cure for the virus eventually we get something kind of like that in day of the dead but it's not about that it's just about the immediate horror of mm-hmm. it and I love the opening of this movie. This The opening of this movie scared the living crap in it because it feels like a dream mm-hmm. where it's a brother and sister and they're just bickering. They're just going, they just have a life. Mm-hmm. And they go to visit a, uh, a graveyard where I think their father is buried. And he just realizes she's scared in graveyards and starts making up some BS story mm-hmm. about how some guy off in the distance, oh yes, he's the living the dead. Way that he's, he's coming to get oh you, Barbara. The way that he said it too. He's coming to get you, Barbara. Like, it was horrifying. Oh. With the music on One of the all-time lines of the yeah. but But here's the thing. Here's the thing that's absolutely terrifying. He was right! <laughs> that actually is... Like, what are the odds of that? Right! What are the odds of that? What seriously are you kidding? And, and and part of me thinks that like you know on a big enough sample size, like if any, like if aliens landed in five mm-hmm. minutes, okay, someone right before the UFO sort of came down would have just said something ironic about Mars right. or going to outer space or something like that, and then the UFOs would have landed and everyone would look at that person like this is right. all your fault. They come in peace, right? You know. But it, <laughs> It's just—it's just a coincidence, but it's so kind of beautifully horrifying mm-hmm. that something completely random would turn out to be true. I honestly—I mean, if you had given me that screenplay and said, "What do you think?" I would say, "I don't know about this mm-hmm. opening," because it feels like a hell of a coincidence. And I would have been wrong to question that because it is, for me, it's one of the scariest mm-hmm. things about the movie. And when I'm watching this as a kid, it reminded me of. Um, I'm not going to ruin it for you, but there's a really amazing movie in the 1950s. It was remade in the 80s. The remake's okay. The original's better, called Invaders from Mars. Okay. Uh, and there is one plot point in that movie that I saw when I was a kid that scared the living hell out of me. And it didn't really have anything to do with the monsters, per se. It was just, it made me question things mm-hmm. in a way that I was deeply uncomfortable with. And something about the original Night of the Living Dead and just how bizarre and random its opening is it's just weirdly perfect and in horror where especially in horror where you're not really confined to a lot of rules like this one is they really weren't setting a lot of rules Mm -hmm. down um you have that freedom to be nightmares you have that freedom to be dreamlike um we're not mad at you for it because it is so effective Mm -hmm. so i mean and talking about that whole opening i mean you're you the the one thing that I think this movie also does really well that they, you know, they scored it perfectly. So when the movie is opening and you're watching that car drive, it's not like mm-hmm. sunny day music playing as we're going on a leisurely yeah. Like it is ominous. It is terrifying. Yeah. It is leaving. When you get to the sign that says cemetery ahead and it looks like there's like blood splattered on the sign. Like 
you know shit is about to go down like there's there's no yeah. you don't have music like this as like your opening score if it's going to end yeah. up happy <laughs> what's what's funny is that because this movie was so cheap this is a low budget production completely independent before this george romero uh, had done sort of industrial movies uh, which we don't really see so much of anymore, but are things like um, how to avoid workplace catastrophes. Yeah. And you see this at work or whatever like that. Just just n- unartistic mm-hmm. types of films. Lift with your knees, not uh, with another your filmmaker, <laughs> Yeah, another filmmaker named Herc Harvey who directed a lot of things like, why should I study industrial arts? Mm-hmm. And you'd like watch this in high school. Um, he did countless ones of those and he would end up making one of the best horror movies of all time called carnival of souls which came out in the 70s in the 60s as well um and it was basically george romero was kind of doing the same thing listen i've i've got all of this experience i think he even shot like mr rogers neighborhood um he had all of this experience and he was just like well let's make an independent movie and horror sells so let's just let's just do this horror movie and so they made it really really cheap and one of the things they did to cheap out was that music that's so effective. A lot of it comes from another movie. Right. It wasn't even made for this. It was for teenagers from outer space, Wild. which sucks. That's a terrible movie. It's it's kind of delightful in its terribleness, which if you've never seen it, um, a teenager la- uh, from outer space lands lands in, uh, uh, outside of a small town uh, because... Um, uh, his planet wants to use Earth as like a free range uh, uh, kind of farming planet for giant lobsters. Sounds sounds very very interesting. And and this teenager from outer space is like, well, I don't know. There's a lot of people here, and the other teenagers from outer space, and they all look like they're in their forties. Yeah, 40s. of course. And all of them are just like. All of them are just like, well, we don't care about people. And he's just like, well, I care. And I'm the hero now. Man, he runs off and he falls in love. And the guy tries to track him down. And sure. in the end, they have to follow. They have to fight like the shadow of a lobster. Because they were not going to make an actual giant lobster. It's it's a very stupid film. They did an MST3K episode about it. But um, it, it's fun. But That's it's stupid. Awesome. Uh, it's just fascinating to me that the music from this very bad movie could just be used to so much better effect. Yeah. Exactly. It's so it's genuinely good here. You wouldn't know That's that so crazy. much of the music from this movie wasn't created for it, just because it it, it works. It fits yeah. so well. Um, one of the you mentioned, I think one of my favorite facts about this movie is the fact that it was made for just around a hundred thousand dollars and yeah. grossed worldwide upon its release um, upwards of I want to say I. Th- think they said it it uh like around 18 million or something or something like that yeah like sure. 18.6 million that sounds about right yeah. I have like 18.6 yeah. million worldwide <laughs> making it of the time one of the most profitable movies of the time that mm-hmm. ended up going into public domain because the original yeah they fucked that up. <laughs> because the, it was the, the original I... production uh company d- like mm-hmm. when they changed the name and became Im- or and it went to like image yeah. and they just didn't put the copyright. Label. You're supposed to have you're supposed to have the copyright information on the uh-huh. credits. It needs to be like on the product, mm-hmm. and if it's not, technically that's in public domain. Uh, so yeah, they had a title card. They changed the title of Night of the Living Dead, and someone who I assume was very much fired 
had left off the the copyright information, which is why Night of the Living Dead is available on every streaming service. It's been made available in every single format from a wide variety of people. Oftentimes, it looks like crap because that doesn't. You can just take a VHS, scan it, and release it, and you're legally allowed Mm -hmm. to. You'll also find Night of the Living Dead in a ton of motion Mm -hmm. pictures. Whenever like something needs to show on a television. Well, if you're showing something that you that isn't in public domain, you probably have to pay someone for right. it. And then you have to pay them every single time it gets shown. And it, it just, it, it adds up. Night of the Living Dead, on the other hand, you can just throw that on anywhere. You'll find that in White House Down. You'll find that in Bound. You'll find that in every yeah. movie. And it's glorious. And it has this wonderful, like, it, it kind of keeps the movie uh, uh, alive mm-hmm. the way that some other films in the era just aren't. You don't incidentally run across movies. It used to be when, like, we were more beholden to just whatever was on television. Mm-hmm. We would chance upon things. Right. I want to watch something right now. I have to. I'm limited myself to whatever is on. Even if I have cable, my options are limited to whatever happens to be on. And so we would we would just randomly stumble across older media more often because it was cheap to pick up and, and distribute and often would play late at night. And so a lot of older movies did still things that we would watch and be very, very familiar with. And nowadays, because there isn't so much of that, whenever we stream something, we're probably picking and choosing what we want to see. And there's an inherent recency bias mm-hmm. to that and inherent recency bias to the streamers themselves, because uh, that's what they're promoting. So a lot of older movies don't get seen as much. But Night of the Living Dead is just constantly available it's been remade there was an animated version they did a extended cut which was not good <laughs> um and then uh, and then and thank god like criterion because yeah. it looks for a while it was like you recommend this movie but i don't know what version you're gonna right. want. i don't know if what distributor you're gonna see it from it might look like crap yeah. uh and then thank goodness criterion came along and i think there's I want to say the UCLA archive, but it might not be them. Uh, but yeah, they cleaned this thing up nice. That's the second. That's that's the, always a good looking. Movie. That's the rewatch that I did today. Is we have it on. Uh, my husband owns it on the Criterion collection. It was like you know, it's from like yeah. the Museum of Modern Art, and then like with, with donations look. from like I think like George Lucas helped mm-hmm. with like remastering yep. it into this 4K version of it, and it mm-hmm. was so great to watch again this time around on the criterion uh version of it to see it more crisp more clean um you less interrupted by by which i'm still glad i thought it was fun to do just to kind of like get some um fun info with it as i was watching it um because i always plan on going back and watching it again uh because of that reason um but it also Mm -hmm. made me feel like my facts that I pulled from Wikipedia are correct because he also said that. <laughs> but this movie, because of this movie's enormous popularity, because uh, George A. Romero made so many sequels to it and did so many interviews, I interviewed him shortly before he oh, died. Wow. Um, a lot of the history of this movie is pretty well documented. Yeah. Uh, and as a result, yeah, there's there's a lot of info out there. A lot of it's really interesting. And there's a lot of reasons um, why these, you know, late night horror host every single horror host has 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 done it um you know like you yeah. you have your Sven Ghoulies, your Elvira's like everyone's yeah. done a night of the living dead in one way shape or form and you should i miss those yeah. honestly I, I i'm glad we have joe bob but i i that was always one of my dream jobs i wanted to be a horror really? host on late night television <laughs> 
that's not really a gig you can get anymore. No, yeah. Uh, it was really funny because Sven Gulli showed up and they had a little like chat oh. about like, you know, his career and all that. It was very interesting. I fast forward through a little bit of that because I was like, okay, let me get to the movie because we're not talking mm. about Night of the Living Dead anymore. <laughs> but um, this, there's so many interesting things to pick up on when you're researching it. Because like once I'm into it, now I got to dive in and I got to know everything and I got to try to pick up on mm as much as I can. Um, you know, I, I think it's so interesting the way that this whole movie was made is it's literally just George A. Romero and friends production with <laughs> some local people and amateur actors. Um, again, to, you know, you're keeping costs down. Um, Dwayne Jones as, you know, Ben is just phenomenal. I think it's just, mm -hmm. it, he's, he's absolutely incredible in it. And, um, even though like it wasn't Romero's point, but again, coming in 1968 and being released on the heels of the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X, you know, people started kind of yeah. drawing those parallels with how Ben died. Because he's one of, it, it was one of those things too, where like you don't have a black actor in a lead role in the way that he was at that time. No, very uncommon. I've heard it said, and this is one of those things that's very hard to prove. Um, I've heard it said that Dwayne Jones was the first uh, uh, black actor to star in an American movie in a role that wasn't written for a black actor. Okay. It was just, it was just a character in the film. They didn't really have a plan for it. And Dwayne Jones just gave the best, uh, uh, gave the best mm -hmm. audition and they gave it to him. Uh, again, that's hard to prove that no one ever did that before, but that's sure. the story. Uh, if, but with that, added level of of texture with it with that lad, level of context when you see Dwayne Jones a capable intelligent young man uh bickering with a very conservative white middle class angry man who doesn't like it when people tell him mm -hmm. no it adds that level of cultural context. Right. It adds that level of subtext, if not text. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the movie, you know, those, those pictures at the end, the way that they choose to end it, they choose not to film at all. Um, I think that was a cost cutting measure, but I'm not hundred percent on that. Um, it, it looks a lot like pictures that you would see in the news yeah. of lynchings. And that's really quite horrifying. And, I I talked to George Romero about this as well, and he was like, "Listen, we we," he said that they like had already like filmed the movie and were like shopping it around when they heard about the Martin Luther King assassination. It really wasn't something that they had done intentionally. And he said that if he had thought of it, he would have leaned into it even harder. I that's yeah. I that's why George and Romero is when you watch when you watch the other Night of the Living Dead movies that he made. Um, you'll see that he leans a lot more heavily into cultural commentary. Mm -hmm. Dawn of the Dead is very explicitly about commercialism. Day of the Dead is much more about uh, political paranoia. Uh, uh, Land of the Dead is a lot more about class disparity. Survival of the Dead is actually, I, I think it's really underrated and it's all about like the way that we culturally deal with death, which has changed dramatically over the last 125 years or so. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's Diary of the Dead, which is just, crap but um can't all be winners <laughs> i don't mean to be too dismissive I, just, I, I don't mean to be too dismissive but that was his attempt to do a found footage film and it feels like he didn't really have an idea beyond what if i did it as a found footage film right 
Uh, and so that was kind of annoying. But um, but yeah, no, he he realized that the the allegorical power of this, and he leaned much harder into it in the future. But just by casting Dwayne Jones, and just because Dwayne Jones, you know, gave such a potent performance, and just because the the, the story played out the way that it mm-hmm. does, it feels so much more artistically resonant than it would have if they had cast probably anyone else who auditioned. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's an incredible, and it just shows you like how every creative decision, even if it was, even if it wasn't like intended from the beginning, every creative decision you make in a movie has a big ripple effect. Sure. And there are no small choices. Every single thing you do adds up and matters. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I think this is one of those movies where it's everything that was done was done in such a way that it was so smart and worked on such a grand level that there's a reason why people still talk about it to this day and it's created the genre that it has and did george a romero think that that was going to happen at the time you know oh i guarantee not (laughs) i don't think but now here we are because he he went on he went on to do different kinds of movies he would he would uh made a witchcraft movie he made the crazies um he did a great movie that only just got released, like I think two years mm-hmm. ago, uh, called The Amusement Park, which is just one of the one of the most depressing and and frightening in a very unexpected way movies I've ever seen. And it's just an allegory for um, elderly abuse, okay, and the way that society doesn't care for people who are elderly anymore, and how just incredibly difficult it is just to to live. Uh, when you've aged out of what people consider to be typical social behavior. Um, he he had an interesting career and he would do all these interesting things, but you know, the zombie movies were the things that paid the bills. Right. And so he kept coming back to them over and over and over again. Because why bite the hand? Sorry, I, have no, the you're, I, love, I love that there's a cat. This is, this is, I think this is one of the first like actual pet uh, 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 cameos in an episode of uh, Reels like the first time, so that's very exciting. We love that. Well, this is my cat Luca. Hello, Luca. He's a black cat and he's very cute. Luca, what? And my other cat Dante. Yeah, Luca. What What are your thoughts on the Night of the Living Dead? Are you a big fan? I like the part where they eat snacks. <laughs> Perfect. We love that. I think it was human flesh, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I fine. also, fine. what I think is also really interesting about, again, um, looking into like the history of the film and how when um, George Romero was writing it, they were originally writing, again, this is back to my, if it's on Wikipedia, it's true thing. Um, they yeah. were originally penning um, a horror comedy with the working title of Monster Flick, that was uh, the early screenplay uh, was around the exploits of adolescent aliens who visit Earth and befriend human teenagers. Was the <laughs> original yes. concept that it came from? Um, they probably chose wisely. Probably, um, but then it, it, it added yeah. into then the second version of the script featured a, a young man who runs away from home and discovers rotting human corpses that aliens use for food scattered across the meadow. Yeah. And then we yeah. come into what becomes Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> Which I think is hilarious. These things evolve. I love that. They evolve. They evolve over time. We love that. Um, when you think of watch, so with this movie, with Night of the Living Dead, um, what would yeah. your, you know, 
in any order, your top three scenes and moment or moments from this movie, what would they be? Well, I think the opening is my personal favorite just because it is cool. I'm going to put you down. (laughs) Bye, Luca. Um, I love the opening. I think the opening, the coming to get you, Bob, that's just one of the great horror movie openings. It's so perfect. Um, Let's see here. Um, God, I don't know. It's, it's, that's actually, I wasn't really prepared for that. Um, I would say it's definitely the opening. It's definitely the ending, which is, as I said, really, really was very, I, I don't think I had seen a film with that bleak and ending yeah. when I saw this movie. I probably saw this movie when I was like 10. Uh, and it really just messed yeah. with me. So that ending was a big, big, big deal. Um, and then it's got to just be that just that really stark haunted image of just corpses in their underwear munching on human oh, flesh. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's just it. it there had been cannibalism movies. There had been undead movies. Uh, the hell, Vincent Price had been in an adaptation of I Am Legend called The Last Man on Earth, which is quite good actually, mm-hmm. very respectable, and has a lot of similarities. A lot of barricading doors from like hordes of the undead and um but there's something about just the the viscera that horrifying thing of like and you're the, looking out the window and you're yeah. watching people walking yeah. slowly yeah towards you yeah. and you're just like this is it no no rush yeah. they have all the time in the world you don't but now and, it's slowly happening yeah 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 exactly and so yeah just just knowing that they're 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 gonna yeah. eat you yeah, it's only a matter of time. Oh. That's it. They're just going to whittle you down, and eventually that'll that'll be that. They can't be reasoned with. They can't be. They might you know, maybe could distract them, and maybe you could take them in a one-on-one fight, but they'll forever outnumber you. Always. There are more dead people on this planet than there are alive. And I think that's the scariest thing too is that if something like that would ever happen, we really all would be fucked. Like when you think about yeah. the amount of just dead human remains mm-hmm. scattered around planet earth again it's it's an idea that is so simple and and easy to film too which is very very key because there's a lot of great movie monsters out there but they require a certain amount of technical craft in order to make them look good on Mm -hmm. camera this is one of the reasons why we really don't have all that many great werewolf movies there's a few but a lot fewer than we have vampires i think or zombie movies because the effort it takes to make a convincing looking werewolf is more trouble than it's worth right. especially when you can use especially when you like a lot of like stories that we might associate with like a werewolf like someone like wrestling with the killer within you could just tell a serial killer story story and you could save a lot of money on right. makeup or save a lot of money on cgi because that's where everything ends up going exactly. anyway exactly so zombies depending on how fresh the zombie is might not need a lot of makeup mm-hmm. at all you know, uh, and as a result, all you need is basically a decent number of extras. Right. And that got a lot of copycats going. They had a few in the 70s. And then after the success of Dawn of the Dead, that really exploded. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, it, it's something you can easily film. It's a premise that what, all you got to do is like, okay, there's a zombie uprising. Pick a location. 
pick a few characters we haven't seen before in that situation. Boom. That's it. Yeah. That's all you need for a movie. And you can tell infinite number of great movies in that scenario. And what I love about it is that part of, it helps that the movie was in public domain, but even so, there are certain horror movie concepts. They don't come along very mm-hmm. often. But when they do, all of a sudden, everyone in the audience goes, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, you, I don't need to be sold on this. The the dead, there's no more room in hell. The dead are coming right. back. I don't need to be sold on that. I think the last time I saw, like, everyone just sort of accept what should be a bizarre premise uh, was The Purge. Yeah. And when The Purge is basically like, okay, what if there was one day, one night a year where all crime is legal and people just run out killing each other? And I think everything in our brains, we're so cynical about society that everyone in the audience was just like, I buy that. And how the only way to survive is to be rich as shit. And it's like one of the first, like a real great eat the rich movie. (laughs) It's a great, I I think the, I think the Purge movies are the modern equivalent Mm -hmm. of the night of the living dead movies. I think they've got inherent social commentary baked into it. uh, But they've also just, you could, you could make them. I've seen people rip them off very, very easily. It's just, they're easy to make. Mm -hmm. They, have an infinite potential for variety just caked into the basic premise. And everyone in the audience accepts it because it feels right. Right. It feels like this is what's happening. And honestly, the more politicized those movies get, the more right it felt because it's just like, yeah, that's how polarized Mm -hmm. everything is right now. Um, So yeah, horror as social commentary, if you can find a horror premise that which you can project almost any social commentary onto, and especially if you can do it cheaply, you got a winner. One hundred percent, and I think that's what this movie does so incredibly well. By yeah. the different people that you're bringing in, you have Barbara who is just horrified and doesn't know what to do and is just mm-hmm. losing yeah. her mind. You have Judy and Tom who are like very level headed, trying to like be that peacemaker mm-hmm. in that Switzerland. You have Ben who's like, yeah. no, I'm a leader. This is how we're doing it. But then you also have, um. Mr. Cooper. Yeah. Cooper. And try, he's like, I got to yeah. protect my family. We're doing it this way. So you have the two, you know, power people struggling in between. And it's, it's really is that commentary. And like, how are we how, trying to bring people together in times of crisis to survive? Mm-hmm. And how is everyone going yeah. to, to handle it? I'm probably going to be a Barbara and I'm just going to sit there and lose my shit. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I've often, I've often <laughs> joked that as a film critic, when like, if like the shit hits the fan and we're ever like stranded on a deserted island, I'm the first person who's going to be killed. One hundred percent. I have no use. I literally am like. So and that's, and that's, I'm I'm fine with that. I made yeah. my choice. Um, but that's but that's the thing though is also and that's something we haven't really talked about is this idea of when the entire world is against you, every group of people becomes a microcosm of society, mm-hmm. and the bickering the infighting the struggles for power uh the resentments that turn into animosity that turn into something that can destroy us all all of those things get elevated from just this is how two people interact to this is how everyone Mm -hmm. interacts and romero would do this constantly almost every single one of his movies is about people trapped in a pressure cooker situation and so many movies zombie movies but even beyond would start taking that premise 
and yeah, there've been plenty of pot boilers people done in single locations, but the idea of using that uh, for a horror social commentary was relatively mm-hmm. fresh. And I feel like nowadays when we harken back to that, we're really mostly going back to the night of the mm-hmm. living dead. And I love a one play. That was one so, thing. And again, one thing I didn't know, I didn't know that it was all going to take place in one location. And I sure. think that builds into the claustrophobia of it all is we're mm-hmm. now stuck in this house. We're slowly getting surrounded. We're slowly watching mm-hmm. things you know, maybe if we weren't all sitting there arguing back and forth about where was the safest place to be, we could have gotten gas in this truck much sooner before, you know, like there's all these little things that just could It's easy to Sunday drive. And again, it, but again, that's the, that, that, that activates your imagination. You're saying, what would I do in that situation? Mm-hmm. I posted uh, a poll on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it when I was rewatching uh-huh. this the other day. And I was like, let's just settle this once and for all. And not of the living dead. Are we safer upstairs or are we safer yeah, in the cell? Yeah, yeah. Because when you hear when you hear Ben make his pitch for why it's safer upstairs, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, it's it's you get you get clear sight lines to everything going on outside. There's a potential to escape, and then when Mister Cooper just says, "Yeah, but the cellar is more fortified and there's only one entrance, and it's easier to prevent them from getting in." Mm-hmm. But the thing is, Ben is someone we want to follow. Right. He's handsome he's well-spoken he's confident he's intelligent he's got all of these leadership qualities that is just like man let's follow ben and then it turns out the only reason ben survives is by hiding in the damn cellar and how often do we end up following the person that seems the most charismatic and the most put together and the most like just because yeah. I he's speaking everybody if we just work together we could make it work up here you're the it's not me that's the problem convincing everybody yeah you're the problem by not wanting to work with me yeah yeah and and we'll see other movies deal with this i think the best movie even better than this to ever deal with that kind of okay we're all trapped in this and people are starting to choose sides and pick a leader i think the scariest version of this movie ever is the mist yes which has one of the most fucked up endings in movie yeah. history also one of the best if you ask me and i think it's really really yeah. smart and even stephen king it's a better ending than his story um this isn't a story about we picked the right leader and everything turned out okay it's not even a story about how oh no we followed a charismatic leader and that was our downfall right. you were screwed no matter what you did yeah there was no getting out of this you were maybe there's theoretically a way to handle it and in the remake which they made because they could finally copyright Mm -hmm. it uh they did make some other choices and that's kind of interesting but in this original it's just about being completely right it is about looking outside at the world seeing how violent and antagonistic and how horrible things have gotten and that will Mm -hmm. win all you can do is try to last as long as you yeah. can. And God, that's depressing. Feels real though, it doesn't sure it? sure does. I mean, I feel like that's exactly yeah. what we've been doing for the last three years at this point, when you really think about it. Yeah. And the idea of comparing human beings to a mindless horde. Right. That's not new. Right. It's pretty literal in this case. It had been done before cinematically. Invasion of the Body Snatchers was a bit more on the nose with its politics. Yeah. But 
Um, I love your I love your response to that tweet. By the yeah. way, that with with your seller, uh, which one is safest? Oh yeah, because <laughs> everyone said it's upstairs, and I'm like, clearly you haven't no. watched it. But if you need me, find me in the cellar. No, what's the matter? The cellar is. Safe. <laughs> I know the guy arguing for the cellar was an asshole, and I would never want to hang out with them right. in real life. He happened to be you right. Exactly. It's like that Onion article. Oh, no, the worst person you know just made a good point. In fact, I think the guy in the picture that they use for that article looks a bit like Mr. That's Cooper. That's so funny. Um, That's hilarious. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, it's just... It's uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I would have to say, so I, my favorite parts, my, the, I think, you know, you have that iconic yeah. thing of the beginning and then, of course, the end. Um. Sure. One of the moments I really liked, and I think it kind of took me aback, uh, was when Karen gets reanimated as uh, an undead, and her mom comes sure. into the cellar and she's eating her dad. And then you just mm-hmm. watch her laying there as Karen just takes that garden spade and just is. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to talk about gruesome and gory watching her. Yeah the the mother side i think is what it was called on wikipedia that whole scene of just like watching like all you know is because at that point too we didn't know that getting bit was going to turn you into somebody not a guarantee no we We had had no no idea of knowing it and i think that is one of those things where you know looking at it now i'm assuming that's what's going to happen just because of my history of knowing Mm -hmm. like zombie and undead stories that that was going to happen but right now all they know from the news is that if you die you come right back as an undead unless you've been shot in the head or burned. <laughs> um, yeah. And that the dead are rising up and eating people to turn them into undead. But there is nothing about if you get bit that. It's not about being an infection. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that was yeah. um, saving that all the way to the end. I think then you're like, fuck, everybody's screwed. Mm. Like you can't do shit. Yeah. Goddamn. Like this is it. No, no, it's, it's a real bummer. And it really calls attention to the idea that the, to survive. Cause I think. Watching a zombie movie, there's so many characters within a zombie movie. Because the whole premise of most zombie movies is that most people aren't mentally prepared to go into zombie survival uh-huh. mode. They're human beings. Right. And like when you see, oh no, my friend Steve is bitten by a zombie. Now he's a zombie. And I'm like, Steve, Steve, are you in there? Like, no, it's like everyone in the audience is like, no, just kill just Steve. Shoot him in the head. Do it. It's easy for you to be objective about right. this because you're watching a movie right. within the narrative people trying to maintain their humanity that's a noble right. thing and indeed we see in later installments of the living dead series uh, in particular land and survival uh that there was actually something to that mm-hmm. that there was actually some hope actually and, and uh, day of the dead as well mm-hmm. that maybe the dead Maybe that wasn't the end of it. Maybe there was hope for, if not humanity, to go back to the way it was and to find some new way of being. But it's kind of ironic that in order to save humanity in these kinds of movies, the people who are best equipped to survive are the people who can most easily dehumanize the dead or the infected. And that's something very cynical about that. And... I don't think it's something that we should be too laudatory right. of. And I think it's one that's it's one of those yeah. things too, like looking into like modern day iterations of this kind of thing as you look at, mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, that everyone's kind of talked about a lot. I really enjoyed it is like, you look at like HBO's The Last of Us, where all these right. people, a ton seen. of these people are um, 
I mean, just like with any, or even like walking, there's not a whole lot of good people, but you got, but you feel like you have to root for like the least amount of bad in a person. <laughs> but sure. you have to, it, it, you're kind of at this point where when you're in that moment, you know, Ben is a hero, but also is he because of how he reacts to Mr. Mm -hmm. Cooper towards the end? But it's like, he's yeah. doing the best that he can. So that whole idea of like, you're stuck in this, really the good people were Tom and Judy who get blown up in the car and hashtag justice for mm -hmm. them. They deserved better. Um, yeah. But they tried to, they tried to save, they, they tried to save people. Like they tried to save Ben by driving off. Yeah. Well, but yeah, they exactly. tried. So it's this whole idea of like trying yeah. that whole, you know, the only people, like you said, the only people who are going to survive are the people that can separate the person from no matter how much you cared about them or where it was, you have to separate now. Here's where it's at. And we have to figure this out and it sucks, but that's why if there's a zombie apocalypse, I'm just going to lay under the bridge with a bunch of sleeping pills and just accept my fate. That's where we're going with it. I have a bad knee and that's the thing that worries me the most. <laughs> right. I'm just going to be the guy. It's like, listen, I'm good. As long as there's no running. Involved. 100%. If there, exactly. As soon as there's running involved, I'm out. There, Take care. Don't even if bother. They end up being I'm fast good. Zombies, I, I'm really fucked. Like if they're like 20. Oh, fast zombies. Like, zombies uh, like, and it's weird. Actually, it's actually weird watching this one and seeing the zombies use tools. Yes. That, which is something that, that wouldn't be commonplace. I'm like, Oh, and, these are and it was actually a huge plot point in land of the dead. Mm -hmm that the zombies were remembering how to use tools. Um, and this one, it's kind of just a thing. Yeah. It just, they hadn't really codified some stuff. Which I think is, um, again, why I think this movie was so fun to watch as a mm. blueprint. Cause like, I'm not watching yeah. walkers in the walking dead, picking up a rock and breaking a window, you know, to yeah. like get at someone right. like they're standing there and they're banging on shit, but like, they're also dodos and falling through the ceiling. Cause they know that they can't tell that it's been rotten and like, you know, they're just really mindless. Where in this is yeah. like, we're still like, there's there's still something going on upstairs enough to be able to use tools and figure out what they're going to do. I think my favorite one was at the end after they all broke into the house, the one that's like walking around with like, a, it looks like it's like a walking thing. She's just like banging the table leg on yeah. the floor. Yeah. <laughs> that's something that Romero would discuss in, I think, Dawn of the Dead, the idea that... Um, in the absence of like immediate stimuli, like something to eat, they start kind of defaulting to like patterns of behavior, uh -huh. like subconscious patterns of behavior that we have as, as adults. And that's why in Dawn of the Dead, all of the living dead just go to the mall. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what they do. That's like, what do you do when you turn off everything in the brain yeah. except eating and that's yeah. it? Like what else, what other impulses left? I don't know, you want to go, go to the, the mall? mall? Yeah, let's go to the mall. And they all go to the mall. I love that. That's, That's amazing. It. I definitely do. Yeah. I do need to go. I'm definitely going to go back and watch, like, kind of, like, the rest of, um, sure. really, especially doing, like, Day, uh, Dawn and, and Day, I definitely think are two that I really need to revisit for. Or I, would, revisit I would say, for sure. I would say, I would say Dawn, uh, Dawn is a classic for a reason. It's actually not my favorite. I think Day is probably the most intense. Mm -hmm. That's like a panic attack of a movie. Well, great. Land of the Dead was the one like, where Romero had money. Gotcha. And it's actually like a kind of an epic and it's really good. And that's kind of so like, that would be like way. kind of like his blank check film. Like the studio was like, here you go. Yeah, a little bit. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, Diary, it's not very good. Survival is really interesting ideas and I don't think it should be slept on. Okay. I think, uh, that's a rock solid film. The other one to watch when you're watching these is I would recommend inserting 
Um, it's like I tell people, like, when you're watching all the Star Trek movies in order, don't forget Galaxy uh-huh. Quest, because I actually think it kind of counts. I love Galaxy Quest. Um, I love it, too. I think it's a damn near perfect comedy. But um, if you're watching the Night of the Living Dead movies, mm-hmm. don't skip out on Return of the Living okay. Dead, which is a truly awesome zombie movie. And it's more of a comedy, uh, but it opens with a couple of guys, and they're working at, like, a, a, like a warehouse and they're talking about the events of Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead as this, like, isolated thing that happened, and then they made a movie out of it, and everyone just thinks it's a movie uh-huh. now. And then it turns out that they end up, like, releasing some zombie guests, and now everyone's screwed again. Okay. It's great. Awesome. It's re- amazing monster effects in that movie. Like, really, really funny. And that was the movie, the the that, uh, Return of the Living Dead. Uh-huh. Um, that's the movie that codified the thing we all take for granted now, which is that zombies specifically eat brains. Mm, gotcha. That's something everyone knows, like, you know, brains, brains. George Romero never did that. That was never in a George Romero thing. That was Return of the Living Dead. It's always interesting to me to see how things that pop up later in horror mythology eventually become kind of weirdly canonized. Yeah. And now everyone thinks they were there from the beginning. Like the idea that Dr. Frankenstein had an assistant named Igor. Right. Igor. He didn't have an assistant named Igor in the book. And he didn't have an assistant named Igor in the movies until the third sure. film. Okay. But we just accept Igor right. now. And that's brains and zombies are kind of the same yeah. thing. So, yeah. Okay. No, it's good. No, I'm excited. I am. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of myself for like opening up my horizons. Yeah. Um, and I'm, definitely, I'm glad you I liked really it. Did. I was a little worried. No, I, 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 but again, it's like I say. I feel like, especially this time with with the with all of these episodes, I'm getting introduced to movies that I never would have watched if it wasn't for this podcast. And I mm. wouldn't, and even if I did watch it outside of this, I if I didn't have this podcast, I don't think I would appreciate it for what it was. If I had seen Night of the Living Dead yeah. at the point of like watching it on TV, however many years ago or whenever it was. I don't, I, there's no way I would have any sort of appreciation or understanding for it. Like I do now knowing mm-hmm. a little bit of the history behind like George Romero and how it started right. and having like that little, just, just even having like that little bit of a background. And it, it's enough for me to realize mm-hmm. what the, the, the historical importance of this film. And well, and that's, and that's what I think we need when we introduce people to older mm-hmm. movies is a little bit of context right. really goes a long way because you might just be astounded by what you see. I've seen plenty of older movies where I didn't really know anything about it. And the movie was just so damn interesting that I wanted to find mm-hmm. out more. But, you know, I grew up watching Turner classic movies and an AMC back when it stood for American movie classics right. instead of whatever it is now, the walking dead. Um, but they would introduce movies with uh, a critic or historian just saying, Hey, here's what was going on at the time. Here's why this is relevant. Here's what to keep an eye out for mm-hmm. when you're watching this movie. And it just kind of puts you in the right mindset to give something that really you might not have intended to speak to your generation mm-hmm. a chance and give it an opportunity to really speak to you. And I think Night of the Living Dead, because it is so isolated, because it's so dreamy, I think you, I think a lot of people probably could watch this cold mm-hmm. and appreciate just how creepy it is. Yeah. And just really get into it. But I think when you fully appreciate this, this movie's very distinct place in history and how, even though it didn't really 
invent its subgenre. Again, you could probably give that to Richard Matheson. Um, it codified right. it. And when people copy it, this is what they're copying. Right. And I think that's really useful. And I think that's one of the best ways to explore film history is to take something you already like from like whatever it is now mm -hmm. and just see what influenced that and then what influenced that and what was going on at the mm -hmm. time. So and then again, this is one of the reasons why I like that you're doing this. I think this is a really useful thing Thank you. to share the experience of learning more about movies and all of the different because there's so much to right. learn. You could, you could focus entirely on just one subgenre and you could do hundreds of episodes. Absolutely. But trying to cover the entire gamut, which I think is noble, and I think it, you just got to start. 100%. And it's like, and I know for a fact that yeah. I'm not going to be able to watch every single movie under the sun. And no I know that, I'll you never know, and, and that's fine. But at the end of the day, if yeah. I'm, I, the reason I started this podcast is because of movies like Night of the Living Dead. I have other people, so, you know, last week's episode or um, an episode recently being um, a ghost story was suggested by Ace oh, yeah. Rivera. Like he was the one who was like, I want to talk mm -hmm. about this movie. And I said, cool, let's do it. Never would have watched it without this podcast. And I love that. But sure. I'm also covering these movies that like, what do you mean you haven't seen Night of the Living Dead kind of situation, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of which is where it started. So being able to do that mm -hmm. and then talk about it with people who love it and appreciate it and you know, having you as the guest to talk about who, like you said, you've, you've, you've been able to sit down and interview George Romero about his career. And this is a very pivotal moment in his career is what yeah. really is one of the big reasons why I put, I, I wanted to bring this podcast to life. And, you know, even if it gets, it's not even like with my tens of viewers that are watching that I love and appreciate, <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> like, because I'm, it's fine. I, I love that I'm getting to experience something for the first time and other for of something that someone else loves and they get the feeling of joy too. That comes from like showing somebody something for the very first time that they love yeah. and, you know, and like it, it opens horizons and it's something that I've had people say, I never would have watched that movie if it wasn't for your podcast, which I think is really That's cool. That, doesn't that make all the it difference? It really does. It really does. Yeah. When I hear when I hear just someone say, "Hey, I, you recommended a movie and I watched it," that alone is great. But then to hear that they liked it, even right. better. That's just that's why I do what I do, like to be a critic. And you're doing it as well. You're a critic, oh, man. and this is this stop is it. you are you're doing you're doing the work. Thank you. That means that you're means a lot. That's probably the nicest compliment that I've gotten on this. Well, show. it's true. What do you what do you call someone who does a, a film criticism podcast over and over again? trying to introduce themselves and other people to classics of cinema. What else can you call them? But a film I critic. will take it. And <laughs> Putting it in my bio. Of, and, and, and you have, and what I love about you is you have this sense of genuine curiosity. A lot of people can be very closed off in their idea of what film should be or what they do or do not need to know about it. And I think that's something that we need more people to see in action is just curiosity shown to the world and to be able to say this is new to me i didn't know it and that's something when people do that whole thing oh you haven't seen mm -hmm. blank there's a little indignation there that always kind of rubs me the wrong way because for me i think that's exciting because you get to see it for the first yeah. time everyone every single person had to see something for the first Absolutely. time at some point that someone is behind you or ahead of you on that journey is irrelevant we want to encourage everyone to take of that course. journey. Absolutely.
And that's what I want to do. I want to create because my life was changed for the better for having people, uh, family, film critics, uh, you know, textbooks that I read, whatever, make cinema history exciting and illuminating and something that could enrich my life. And I want to be a part of that. And I see you being a part of that. And that makes me incredibly happy. And so, of course, I'm here. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm just thrilled to do it. I appreciate that. Um, I think with all those very kind words, because my love language is words of affirmation. So, like, the mood that I am now in is fantastic. I think that's a great time for me Mm -hmm. to uh, end the show towards how we always do, where I go into Letterboxd and I rate it out of five stars. And I'll add it to my list and everything. Um, I mean, I knew I was probably going to do this. It's not. I don't want to call it a bias, but, like, with everything that I've heard, with everything I knew about it, it was one that I was also a little bit nervous. Could it's that that idea of like, will it live up to the hype of like how people talk yeah. about Night of the Living Dead? And it does. This is a five star film for being the blueprint of what what to know what and to know the history behind it and what's come because of it. Um, I, I can't rate this any less than five stars. This was an absolute yeah, I think blast is- to watch. This is one of the great horror mm-hmm. movies. This is one of the most pivotal horror movies. This is a movie that I think, you know, there's a lot of great movies out there, but I think there are certain movies, and when I say certain, I think probably like a few <laughs> uh, that uh, I think everyone should, or hoops everyone should try to jump through if you love movies, yeah. even if you're not a huge fan of the genre. And this is definitely Absolutely. one of them. I think it's just, it's a seminal work. Uh, and it holds up great. Yeah. That's the other thing that's really cool about it. You don't even have to go, well, for the time. Like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Still scary. Still very scary. That music. Still very if, scary. If I'm walking into my house and it's dark and my husband plays that mm-hmm. opening music as I'm walking mm-hmm. in, I'm going to turn around and tell him to shut the fuck up. That's how scary. Uh, and, if he, and if he ever says that, I'm going to get you, Allison. Yeah, I'd punch, you him punch him in the face. Him. I'd be like, here's the divorce papers. Punch Stop him it. and run. Done. Yeah. Punch and run. Yeah. We're gone. <laughs> Well, Bibs, uh, as we as as I like for all my guests, um, what you got going on? Where can everyone find you? Oh, I have so much stuff. Um, the usual things that I do, I write film criticism for the rap. I've been doing some writing for Slash Film lately. Um, my main project is is the ongoing critically acclaimed network, which is a series of podcasts that I co-host with film critic Whitney Seibold. We review new movies on a show called Critically Acclaimed. We uh, have just started a new series. Uh, we're, we're actually recording this before the first episode airs, but by the time this airs, it'll be a few episodes awesome. in. Um, we have a new show on the Critically Acclaimed Network, which is available on Spotify, Apple, etc., called Thank Godzilla It's Friday, <laughs> where we are doing our own deep dive, and we are going to be reviewing every single film in the Godzilla That's series. That's amazing including the ones that are only kind of tangentially connected. And as by, by our current count, that's about 52. So it should take about a year yeah. to get through this thing. Um, we also have a Patreon and at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. A, you can get uh, episodes uh, ad free. You can get episodes of Thank Godzilla. It's Friday a week in advance. So you can catch up that way. We also have exclusive shows called uh, Only the Best, where we're reviewing every single film ever nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards in order. Uh, Only the Best International, where we're doing every single film ever nominated for Best International Feature at the Academy Awards. Uh, All Our Yesterdays, we're reviewing every single episode of Star Trek in order. We do commentary tracks. We do Discord hangouts. 
It's a lot of fun over there. And again, you sign up and you get like this huge back catalog of commentaries and podcasts to explore. So patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. Thank you everybody who signed up already. And if you haven't, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, the other thing that I do, and this is just as important, is uh, I help run the Salt Cat Soap and Paper Company with my partner, M. Lapis Da Silva. Uh, that is a two-pronged uh, soap company where we make and design soap. We have uh, two ways to get it. One is our Patreon page, patreon.com slash saltcatsoap. Uh, and that is a Soap of the Month Club for U.S. residents. Uh, we ship out, uh, depending on your uh, tier, uh, one or two designer soaps every single awesome. month. Uh, and we have polls. You can help us like design them, decide like what, what sort of uh, uh, aromatic profile we're going to have this year. Or we'd had one recently, which is which one of our cats do you want us to base a soap on this this month? Um, and it was Luca. And it was uh, the, the theme was naps and snacks. Love that. So in addition to having a black cat in the middle of this like beautiful like white uh, bar of soap, uh, it's the the overall fragrance profile is um, like fresh laundry, like kind of like this very fresh fabric smell. Uh, but we also uh, crafted a whole bunch, like a whole bunch. It took forever of uh, soaps that look exactly like gummy bears. Nice. And so we embedded that within the uh, the soap. So it's also a whole bunch of little soap gummy That's bears. That's so in cool. There. Um, so that one's gone. We, uh, but uh, we also have a. Co- uh, you can get those every single month, uh, and also we have a Ko-Fi store. Or is it coffee? I, I always forget. No I idea, but yeah, on. sure. <laughs> ko fi dot com slash saltcat soap, uh, where we sell. Uh, we we usually have some extras. We sell uh, we sell soaps. We sell stickers. You can get signed copies of my partner M. Lavas da Silva's novella. Uh, a whole bunch of stuff over there. And that one is the one where we ship internationally. So feel free to uh, check that out. Uh, and uh, yeah, they make great gifts. Awesome. So I, I highly, highly recommend checking them out. And I'm on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at William. Awesome. Bidia. We'll get links to all of that in the description. So you guys can go and join those Patreons, order those soaps. They are amazing soaps. I've ordered some myself. I love them very, very much. And of course, to all of my lovely viewers, again, thank you so much for hanging out with me. Uh, if you are watching on the Flick and Real YouTube channel, please be sure to subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Hit that little thumbs up button. Uh, really helps with the algorithm. Leave your thoughts in the comments of night of, of their on Night of the Living Dead. I am whiffing so many things. It is great. <laughs> You're doing great. Doing great. One take, no edits. It's great. (laughs) If you're listening on your audio platform of choice, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review to Flick and Reel. You can follow me on Twitter at Allison Salamone, and you can follow the show as well at Reels Like Movies. And until next time, my friends, be safe. I'm going to go watch some more movies. Bye. (laughs) 